How about a hearty hallelujah on the count of three? You guys want to start out like that? Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah! Ah, good job. Let's all stand to our feet. Look in your praise book number 58. In your praise book number 58. You're going to see Keep On the Sunny Side. That's one of my favorites. And we're going to have some fun singing this this morning. On in your praise book number 58.
Father in heaven, we're uh, just glad to be here, Lord. We just pray that you'll receive our praise and worship and that we can fellowship together with each other and with you in love. And Father, we just thank you for everything, your word, your salvation. We thank you especially for sacrificing yourself in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, thank you for everything you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to do our announcements now. Well, for those of you who ask, um, I did have a little vacation, which was nice, and uh, went camping. I got some things done around the house, and went to Colorado, visited with my kids, and missed you guys. So, yeah. so we uh, will continue continue on, and uh, and hopefully even get better. Hey, I want to remind you: Wednesday evening we have a potluck at six. And then, generally speaking, we have a Bible study at 6.45, but what we're going to do this Wednesday night is we're going to have testimony night, okay? And Tom Carlisle, who uh, was uh, a member here for many years and went through all kinds of health problems, is going to come and give his testimony. It's very, very, uh, very good. And uh, we'll have uh, some others that will give testimony, including myself. So if you would like to give your testimony, please just uh, l let me know, and uh, we'll, we'll slot you in there. So we've all got a testimony, and we should all be ready to give it, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Okay, good. <laughs> Women's Bible Study, September 9th and 16th. So if you have questions, you can call into Tennyson. And the Men's Bible Study is on Tuesday morning at 10, and... Pastor P.K. teaches that in the Gospel of Matthew, and there's always some music and some just good fellowship along with that. Um, Psalm 95 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. So we, uh, we want to also let you know, too, that put September 29th on your calendar because that's when we have the spaghetti dinner. And do you want to say something about that? May I? Okay. Good morning. Good morning. We are going to be having a yearly spaghetti eating and dessert auction on September 29th. At six o'clock in your bulletin there is a brochure with the menu with the cost it's five dollars a person for the spaghetti dinner and Carmen York and I are collecting money and we're giving tickets and then what happens is you come to the spaghetti bean with a, um, a dessert and then what we do is we auction it off and then the women's fellowship will decide how we're going to uh, re-give the money to something to go to this church. It's a lot of fun. I want you to come. We only have three weeks to get this together. Please participate. We're really sorry if you don't. You don't want to say woulda, shoulda, coulda. You just want to come. Thank you. Well, we don't want to send Bruno and Guido after you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to uh, sort of convince you. 
What night is that? Is it a Friday yeah, or Saturday? Friday night. Friday night, September 29th. Like three weeks. Yeah. Right. How many of you have been to the spaghetti feed here before? Raise your hands. Tell everyone how fun it is. We'll have a good time. One last, uh, prior to our dinner uh, things that will be going on in the fall, uh, just wanted to share with you guys. Uh, we kind of gave up on uh, while, quite a while back on asking people not to bring their coffee and donuts into the sanctuary. But uh, we did get the carpet cleaned yesterday, and I just wanted to show off my coffee cup because <laughs> I'm probably the world's worst of not wanting to put a lid on it. I don't know why, I just like to drink my coffee without a lid, but if you bring it in here, if you could try to put a lid on it, and we'll try to keep the place as clean as possible, I'd really appreciate it. So, okay.
762. What a day that will be in your hymnal number 762.
your resurrection, ascension, and your intercession for us and for all those who call upon your name. We pray that indeed you will be glorified, Lord, by our worship, by our praise, by our study of the word, Lord. And we want to thank you for everything. We pray that you'll bless all of the church services everywhere around the world that are speaking your word by means of your spirit. And we'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you so much for allowing us to meet here in this beautiful facility. We thank you for the brotherhood and sisterhood that we have here, Lord. And we pray that, Lord God, you would help us to fulfill that commandment that we should love one another as we love ourselves. And Father, help us to love you. We pray that you'll bless this offering, Lord. You know exactly how much we need for our financials. And we just pray that you'll provide that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, that was real pretty, wasn't it? Well, in addition to uh, relaxing and going to Colorado and uh, getting stuff done around the house and going camping, I did a lot of studying. And um, I have hopefully what you'll consider to be a treat, okay? We are going to, on Sunday mornings, study the book of Revelation. And uh, we're going to not only study that book, but we're going to tie in all of the scriptures that go along with it. You can't really understand the book of Revelation unless you understand the Old Testament. So we'll be bringing in Old Testament scriptures, especially from Daniel, Genesis, and other places. So I do hope you'll enjoy it. You might want to invite whoever. Uh, I'll just say this, that you probably will not hear the book of Revelation taught from the pulpit on a Sunday morning very often. All right, and uh, I don't know why. It's a beautiful book. It's it's uh, all about Jesus Christ, as is the rest of the Bible. So um, that's where we're going. All right, I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to try to rush through things. I know that you don't mind waiting till two o'clock to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Uh, so let's pray. So Father in heaven, we pray that you'll bless us with your Holy Spirit, that you'll fill us and forgive us for our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can be clean and clear to hear your word. And Father, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord God, we just dedicate this service to you through Jesus Christ. And we pray that, Lord God, you'd let each one of us get something spiritual out of this message that uh, we can take with us and uh, learn and grow. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple of things before we begin is this, is that the book of Revelation is revelation, singular. It's not revelations. Okay? So if you want to appear real smart, you'll say, we're studying the book of Revelation, not revelations. Okay? Secondly, is some of your Bibles, I know in some of my Bibles at home, it says the revelation of John. And this is not accurate. It, it's a revelation to John, but it's the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. So when we studied in the Gospels, when we studied in the uh, letters in the New Testament, we learn a lot about Jesus Christ and his... Uh, personality is especially concerning his first coming. The whole entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, everything, is all centered around Jesus Christ. And we will see that as we uh, continue our studies uh, in this book. It's an amazing book, so if you want to turn to chapter 1, that's where we'll start. Um, I, silly me, I thought, you know, I'll probably get done with chapter one today. That's not going to happen, okay? I just want to let you know um, in advance that there's so much here that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll quit somewhere around that 12 o'clock mark. I'll try to get you, we've got communion, so we'll try to get you out on time. But Revelation chapter one, 
starting in verse 1, says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, that would be Christ, to show his servants, these are Christ's servants, what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. You'll notice that John calls himself a servant, not an apostle here. Who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we have a first-hand witness here of what Jesus Christ portrayed to John in this book of Revelation. Now this is the only book in the entire Bible that promises a blessing to those. And look at verse 3. It says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. And you notice the word and, okay? Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Right now, that's me. And blessed are those who hear it. That's you, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Now, if the time was near approximately 2,000 years ago, when John wrote this, uh, the time is really near now, isn't it? This book was written approximately in 95 AD. So Jesus Christ went to the cross when he was about 33 years old or so. So this book is written 60 plus years after Jesus Christ died. John was the last living apostle. And uh, it, it's interesting because he was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And because of his testimony, uh, we know that the powers that be tried to kill him. They tried to boil him in oil. Isn't that crazy? But it didn't work. And uh, so you wonder whether John was thinking all things work together for the good when the oil didn't get hot enough to boil him or something, you know. Um, so what they, they did is that they uh, shipped him off to a small island off the coast of Turkey, which is where the seven churches are located, and to an island called Patmos, which is kind of a rocky outcropping. There's people that live on that island today. It's a quite a tourist attraction for Christians because there's supposedly a cave there where John was stationed by the Lord, and people go up and visit this cave and. It's a, like I said, it's a tourist attraction. So, it says that the revelation of Jesus Christ. You'll notice that Jesus comes before Christ here. And when we see Jesus coming before Christ, it emphasizes his humanity. When we see Christ, Jesus, that's emphasizing his deity. Okay, And we're going to see in our studies today that it switches back and forth. It says, which God gave him, gave Christ, God gave this revelation to Jesus Christ to show his servants what must soon take place. Now remember something about God is he doesn't have a wristwatch. A thousand years with the Lord is as a day. And a day is as a thousand years. So when he says what must take place soon, he is you know, looking at this in terms of 
his viewpoint. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 19.10, it says this, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let me repeat that. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, we can take this two ways, and I think either way is, is accurate. Number one is Jesus Christ was the most prolific prophet ever lived. All right? So his words are prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Not only that, but the testimony about Jesus is all about prophecy. When we think about the Old Testament, when we think about the the uh, the uh, offerings and the sacrifices, they're all types of something that was going to happen in the future. When we think about the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple, that is a representation of something that's exactly in heaven. And so, how important is it to know those things? Well, it's very important because if you want to know how heaven is arranged, you go to the tabernacle or the temple and God gives us that plan. That's why he told Moses, don't veer from the plan. Okay? Make it exactly the way I, you, I told you. And we'll be studying that because it is very interesting. Revelation, the book, is all about Jesus Christ. Let me read something to you out of Ephesians 3. I'll be in Ephesians 3, verse 1. You're welcome to turn there if you want to. It says this. Paul is speaking here. And remember that in the past, or in the future, John is going to be the pastor of this church. He says, for this reason. What reason is that? Well, Jesus Christ... Uh, died for both Gentiles and Jews. And we are one in Christ. We are one in His body. And that was a huge deal, as we'll see. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. We are Gentiles, unless you're Jewish. Uh, anybody who's not Jewish is a Gentile. And, of course, uh, Gentiles were considered dogs to the Jewish people, but not anymore. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now you'll notice here the reversal of the name. We're, we're thinking about the deity of Christ now here. For the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration or dispensation, if you will, of God's grace that was given to me for you. We read in Corinthians, I believe it is, that Paul went out in or uh, Paul went out into the desert after he got saved, and he was there for a long time, and God gave him the revelations that he writes about here, not only in the book of Ephesians, but in Colossians and in other places in Romans. Paul even calls this his gospel, which is amazing. So when we read about the Gospels in, you know, in our New Testament, basically they are centered around the Jews. But Paul includes the Gentiles, which is us, in his letters. 
He says this, Surely you have heard about the administration or dispensation of God's grace that was given me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly about. You can go to Ephesians chapter 2 and read about that. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And he's going to tell us what this mystery is. He's going to say this, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. In the Old Testament, it's interesting because if you look at the prophets and if you look at the people, if you look at it like this, there's a mountain range and a valley and a mountain range. The first mountain range is the first coming of Jesus Christ. The second mountain range is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And in the middle is the church age. And they, could, they, they didn't know about the church age. They, they couldn't see it. It hadn't been revealed to them. And so Paul's going to tell us about this mystery right now. He's going to say this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people. Man, if Paul was less than the least of God's people, I'm less than the least of the least of the less. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. He says this, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration or dispensation of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. It's interesting, you go to the book of Colossians and it says that God, through His Word, created all things. His Word became flesh in Jesus Christ, didn't it? So the world and the universe was created by the Word of God, which is Jesus Christ. Now, he says this. His intent, I mean verse 10, his intent was, now listen, was that now through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? That means that you and I are always witnessing to angels. Whether they be good fallen angels or good angels, we witness to angels. In fact, the Bible even says that the angels desire to look into this salvation that God's given us. It's amazing to them that God would give us a lower creation than the angels, right? Grace and mercy to become saved, to become the children of God, to join in God's family forever. Not of our own works, lest any should boast. 
but of the grace of God. Wow. So we are witnessing to angels, and you need to remember that, especially when you decide to do something wrong. Okay? I always think about that when I, when I blow a cork or something. I'm going, oh, sorry. It says here, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him, that would be in Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. We are not to be discouraged, period. It is discouragement, and I know we do get discouraged, right? But discouragement is the opposite of faith. So if we have faith, we won't get discouraged. And if we do get discouraged, confess it and move on. Because you're bound for heaven. You're going to heaven. We know what the last page of the book says. And the last page of the book says, Jesus is coming back and he's taking us with him. Okay? Well, so let's go back to the book of Revelation. And... In fact, let me, let me read something to you um, in Daniel. You, you don't need to turn there because it will take too long to get there. But Daniel chapter 2 and in verse... might take me too long to get there. Uh, love the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. Listen to what it says. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel. Okay, Jesus said to us in, in Revelation chapter 1 that he sent his angel to John, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than uh, serve or worship any god except their own God. Now, you know what? I just read the wrong scripture. That's okay. I, I hope you got something out of that, though. Okay? Daniel chapter 2, verse 28, says this. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. There is a God in heaven that reveals mysteries. So, we go back to Revelation and it says this. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who testifies to everything he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this testimony, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Verse 4, here's your greetings. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So this, these seven churches were located in Turkey, in what we call the nation of Turkey now. And John wrote the letters in a circular pattern 
starting with Ephesus and then going north and then coming back down. Ephesus was almost directly across the, uh, the ocean there from the island of Patmos, where John was stationed. It says this, Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. That's past, present, and future. And from the seven spirits before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. That's a mouthful. Okay? So let's go, go back. Grace and peace to you. You can't, excuse me, you can't have grace, uh, peace without God's grace. Alright? Grace always precedes peace. From him who is past, who was, or who is present, who was past, and who is to come, future, and from the seven spirits before his throne. So where do we see the seven spirits again? Well, if you turn to Revelation chapter 4, uh, which is a chapter where John is taken up into heaven. It's a chapter that portrays the rapture. And he sees the throne of God and everything that's around the throne of God, the 24 elders, the beasts, the, the, the colors. Listen to what it says here. He says this. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. We'll study and find out who these elders are. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning. Think about being John and just getting raptured up to heaven and, and seeing this. He says, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Seven spirits. Well, I didn't know there were seven spirits. I didn't know there were seven holy spirits. Well, there aren't seven holy spirits. There's seven facets to the Holy Spirit. And you can find them in Isaiah chapter 11. If you want to turn there, you can. It's a, it's a beautiful scripture. Isaiah chapter 11, I'll be starting in verse 1. I'll give you a couple of minutes to, to uh, find it. Isaiah chapter 11. Okay, that's all the time you get. Just kidding. Listen to what it says here. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. First of all, who's the stump? That's the nation of Israel. Who's the shoot? Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the shoot. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Now listen here. We're going to see seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. And these seven lamps that were burning in front of the throne portray these particular aspects of God's Holy Spirit. He says in verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, on Jesus. That indicates deity. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. Two, 
the spirit of wisdom. Three, the spirit of counsel or discretion. Four, I should say the spirit of, of discretion is number four, spirit of counsel. Number five is the spirit of power. God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He has all-wisdom. The spirit of knowledge would be number six. And the uh, fear of the Lord would be number seven. So what are the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit? Number one, deity. The Holy Spirit is God. Number two, wisdom. Number three, understanding. Number four, counsel. Number five, power. Number six, knowledge. And number seven, reverence or fear of the Lord. I want to read the rest of this to you too because it's so beautiful. This is written concerning Jesus Christ. It says, He, that would be Jesus, the coming Savior, will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Well, that would be good advice to us, wouldn't it? But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Next week when we study uh, the second part of Revelation chapter 1, we're going to see that Jesus Christ has a, in his glorified body, has a golden sash around his chest. And we can see here from Isaiah that that represents righteousness. So back to the book of Revelation. Okay? Not Revelations. Revelation. Okay? It says here, To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus Christ is the first one to be raised from the dead and is seated, right now the Bible says, at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us. So the ministry of Jesus Christ has not stopped. Just because he ascended into heaven doesn't mean it, it's a vacation time for Jesus. He is interceding. Every time we pray, the Holy Spirit carries that prayer to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, as our defense attorney, portrays that prayer to God. So even if you make a silly prayer like, Lord, I'm going to buy this lottery ticket. <laughs> And I'm praying, you know I need the money. That's not going to happen, okay? I mean, if it does, I hope you share with all of us. But what the Spirit says and what He carries to Jesus Christ is, Lord, I want to be happy and please provide the monies I need just to pay my bills. Okay? That's, do, you, do you see the difference in that? Okay. And it says, the firstborn from the dead and ruler of the kings of the earth. It says in Revelation, uh, the last, uh, I think it's either chapter 19 or 20, it says that Jesus Christ is the king of kings 
and he's the Lord of Lords. Yeah. Wow. He's coming back. Yeah. Well, let's go on. It says, to him who loves us, that is present tense, and has freed us, that's past tense, from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Let me read something to you here in uh, I'm going to start in Romans 13. You don't need to, to turn there if you don't want to. Romans 13. Here's what it says. You're welcome to turn there if you want to. Um, in Romans 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 8. It says this. This is instructions because the day is coming. The day is near. Paul writes these instructions 2,000 years ago. And they're still valid today. He says, let no debt remain outstanding. In other words, pay your bills. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. That's a continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. There are ten commandments in the law that Moses brought down from the mountain. And in all, there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Social commandments, moral commandments, all kinds of commandments. And here's what it is saying, is if the, you love your fellow man, you're going to keep all those 613 commandments. Isn't that amazing? He says this, For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law, the commandments, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Are you ready? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, love your neighbor, understanding the present time. Paul writes, for the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He goes on, listen to this list. He says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, that's bad, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, that's bad, not in dissension and jealousy. He puts dissension, which would incorporate gossiping, backbiting, telling stories that just spreading stories about your neighbor that may or may not be true, but they're not edifying. He lumps those in with sexual immorality and with debauchery. He says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Jesus Christ bought us with his blood. And it says here 
that he has made us to be a kingdom and priests. Did you know you're a priest? No, I don't want to hear your confession. I got enough sins of my own to deal with. Can you imagine being a priest? I can't. You did what? I don't think I can help you. No, I can't imagine that. Listen to what Peter says in Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And you're welcome to turn there if you want to. Just flip over a couple of books and you'll be in Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 10. And here's what it says. Uh, so Peter's talking about... Doesn't look right. Why doesn't it look right? Chapter 1, verse 10. Oh. Oh. Okay. No, I'm 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 gonna talk to you about prophecy for a second, okay? Just just bear with me. Second Peter, chapter 1, starting at verse 10. I was right, but I was wrong. I should be a politician. He says there. Peter says, therefore, my brothers, so he's speaking here to Christian people, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, what things? Add to your faith, goodness, and knowledge, and self-control, and perseverance, and godliness, and love, and brotherly kindness. If you do these things, Peter says, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you, I love this, if I, next week, if I say the same scripture that I said this week, I'm just reminding you, okay? <laughs> so don't get all... Yeah, don't. He says this, so I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory, Peter says, as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Lord Jesus said that he was going to die. Peter was, according to, uh, according to what uh, tradition says Peter was crucified upside down because he did not consider himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus Christ was. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. He says this, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure or my death you will always be able to remember these things. So Peter leaves us a legacy. First Peter and second Peter are his legacy. I asked myself this morning What's going to be my legacy? What's going to be your legacy when you die and people think of you after you're dead? That's something to think about. He says this. He says, now this is what I want you to, to hone in on. We, speaking of the apostles, did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now here we got another eyewitness account. 
For he, that would be Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I will be, I am well pleased. Do you remember where this happened? Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, John, James, and Peter went up to the mountain, Mount Hermon. It's interesting, too, because if we get to time, not today, but some other time, Mount Hermon is thought to be, is thought to be a portal where the fallen angels came down to earth. And yet Jesus goes up on Mount Hermon, and you know what happens? He's transfigured. He is transfigured, metamorpho, into what he is going to look like in his glory. We're going to study about this next week as we see in Revelation chapter 1 when John looks behind him. He hears this voice of a trumpet and looks behind him and he sees Jesus Christ in his glory. It says that his eyes are a blazing fire. His, his face shines like the sun at its strength. And there's more description, but we'll get into that next week. It says, For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was talking to Elijah and Moses. Moses the lawgiver and Elijah the prophet. We really believe that in the book of Revelation, when we get up to, I think it's chapter 14, but it might be chapter 11, I don't remember. We see the two witnesses. We're not told who they are, but I, I'd be willing to bet a $100 bill, and I'm not a gambling man, that they're going to be Moses and Elijah. So here's Moses and Elijah. Elijah, remember, was taken up in the chariot, right? Okay? And Moses, it says in Jude that the devil... Uh, Disputed with the Archangel Michael about the body of Moses. That's pretty weird. Why? Because maybe God was preserving his body to raise it again in the Revelation. Well, anyway, here Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus Christ, who is glorified in his glorified body. And what are they talking about? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'll bet you a dollar that, they, that they're talking about the death the burial, the resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ that was going to come. You know, Jesus Christ was the loneliest person that has ever lived. Couldn't you just stay awake with me for that short period of time while Jesus Christ was on his face bleeding from the stress of knowing what was coming, and his disciples were sleeping. Well, we go on. He says this. He says, <clears throat> We ourselves, in verse 18, heard this voice, Peter, James, and John, that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word, listen, we have the word of the prophets made more certain. Made more certain than what? We have the word right here, written down in our language, and this word that we have written down is more certain than a voice from heaven. 
Now, if you hear voices from heaven, just be careful that they're from God. Okay? Because you, you just got to be real careful. And I hear people, oh, the Lord told me. Okay. Lord told me to buy that lottery ticket. Mm. I, I, I'm kind of skeptical on that one. He says this, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Above all, Peter says, so we could say most importantly, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Oh, you know, the Bible's been translated by men. You can't, you can't trust it. You know what? I don't care if you read the King James, the New King James, the New International, the New American Standard, even the Living Bible, God will make sure that the words are in here so that you can understand how to be saved Amen. and how to know God. God will make sure that His Word is accurate. Okay? Well, let me read one more to you from Peter. And this is, um, this is I'm going to take this off of Revelation chapter 1, starting at verse... Let me read the verse to you. To him who loves us and has freed us by his sin, uh, uh, from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever again. This is what it says in... Where does it say it? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. We're in Peter again. Listen to this. This is just great. This applies to you and me. Therefore, Peter says, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus, rejected by men but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're a priest. I'm not going to call you father. But you are a priest. And we are to offer acceptable sacrifices to God. Well, let me finish up. and We'll have communion. It says here in verse 7, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. Christ now speaks in verse 8, I am. When Moses asked God, 
what should I tell him your name is? What did God say? I am. I am that I am. And here we see in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus Christ is speaking. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus Christ is the Almighty. Well, you can see why I couldn't get finished with the whole <laughs> chapter 1 of Revelation, but uh, if you want to read ahead, that'd be great. And next week, we're going to study uh, John on the island and Jesus giving him instructions about uh, this, writing the seven letters in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, Jesus gives John the complete outline to the book of Revelation. And it's very simple. Write what you saw, write what is, and write what is to come. What you saw, we're going to see in chapter 1 of Revelation. What is, is the church age. Chapter 2 and chapter 3, the letters to the churches. And what is to come is chapter 4, starting at the rapture of the church, which... It says that John was taken up into heaven in the spirit. So, did you enjoy that? Yes. Okay, good, good. Well, let's have the guys come forward, and we'll take our communion. So, our communion is open uh, to anyone who is a Christian. Thank you and uh, a member of the body of Christ. You don't have to be a member of this church. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a member, okay? That's right. I was gonna say something smart, but I'm not gonna. So when we think about communion, we think about the bread, and then we think about the cup, don't we? The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus asked, his disciples at the Last Supper there in the upper room, he says, please do this in remembrance of me. Remember me, Jesus said. And when we think about the body, when we think about the bread, we think about the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived for 33 years on the face of this earth for us, never committing one sin. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be pretty hard to do. In fact, I'd say that'd be impossible to do for any of us anyway, right? And then when we think about the cup, we think about the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, which represents the work that was accomplished on the cross. What work was that? Number one, Jesus Christ, by His death, satisfied God the Father, all His righteous demands. That's propitiation. Reconciliation. Jesus Christ removed the barriers that stood between us and God. So now, the only barrier between us and God is who? Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless He comes through me. Redemption. Jesus Christ purchased our souls out of the slave market of sin so that we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. And expiation, that big term, if I had a, uh, 
If this was a class, I would ask you to raise your hand and tell me what expiation means. But since it's not a class, I'll tell you. Expiation means that through the death, through the blood, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he removed the penalty and the guilt of sins. So we don't have a penalty for sins. It says in the Bible that our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty neat. So, When you take the cup, think of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his suffering. When you take the bread, think about the life of Jesus Christ as he lives. So Father in heaven, we do come before you. We do as our obligation as Jesus Christ asked us to do, we remember the precious life and the precious death of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And we pray that you'll bless this time that we could just fellowship with you and uh, just be quiet in worshiping you. And we'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
he is able to sympathize with us because he went through, he was tempted and tested in every way that we are, and yet he was without sin. So Father, we take this in remembrance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord God, when we think about the cup or the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross, we want to thank you that your plan is perfect, that your plan does not depend upon us, it depends upon Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, as it says in Revelation. Lord Jesus, your death was horrific, we know that. We can't identify with it, but we know that it must have been horrific. And so we thank you so much for dying on the cross for us and for giving us your salvation. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Give your own testimony. How's that sound? Okay. 